Welcome to the Delicious Beverage Podcast. My name is Julianne, and this season, I'm sitting down with one of my friends to find out more about their favorite beverages. I'm going to start by setting the scene, asking some questions, walk through my guest day of the life of beverages, play a game, and ask the final question. What is their ultimate delicious beverage? However, today's going to be a little different. Last week, we had a part one where we sat down with Bailey, the king of stories, and we went over what drink he would name after him, his childhood drink of the purple worm, a story where kombucha was the hero, and how marketing and branding is so important to the beverages that we consume. And this week, you learn about his day in the life, his beer making story, a winery story, more childhood memories. We play the game, which very funny trivia. I hope you enjoy. And we learn about Bailey's ultimate beverage. And you're probably wondering why I split it up into two. And as I discussed last week, after a poll I had on my Instagram, I learned that everybody wants them between 45 minutes and an hour. So I've stopped doing about an hour and 15 minute podcasts and we're going to try to keep them down. But I recorded this one before that. And I didn't want to get rid of any of Bailey's stories. Here's Bailey. So let's go through a day in your life. What are you doing in the morning as far as beverages, other than the Bailey Bunyard, as we're going to start calling it? So the very first thing that I drink, as soon as I wake up, I go to my kitchen. I grab some kind of drinking apparatus with a lid, Mm. take a scoop of athletic greens, drop that in there, take a scoop of electrolytes, toss that in there with the greens, cut a lemon in half, squeeze the juice of half a lemon into the cup and then fill it with water and shake it and then drink that. And then from there, it varies. How long have you been doing that for? Only two weeks now, but. And have you noticed a difference in just two weeks? Yeah. So I've been drinking a lot less coffee. Well, you're a morning person. I am not a morning person. So any tips that morning people have about like how they get their morning started, I love to hear. So is this one of the ways that you like, it's not like coffee where it like gets you alert and awake, but do you feel like more hydrated, more ready for the day? Or is there an energy component to this? Yeah, there's definitely an energy component. So coffee for me gives me like almost like a rush of adrenaline. It's like, yeah, let me go tackle this obstacle today. I can do it. Can we go lift that boulder up the mountain? <laughs> right, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go move something. I'm going to make things happen today. Urgh, mad lady. <laughs> <laughs> Start, since starting with Athletic Greens, I've noticed more of like a sustained energy. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, you know, I still drink my coffee because I, I enjoy it, but I drink far less of it and I take my, I drink it slower now rather than drinking two homemade cold brews in a or trend to Starbucks. Well, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> Two of those, and then going to school or going to work and getting a train to cold brew at Starbucks and drinking that and doing all three of those before noon. And now I make like one, maybe two coffees at home. It seems like a lot of the time, like I have 12 o'clock rolls around and I still have a little bit of coffee left for my, my second one. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll drink it. Yeah. I guess I'll polish it off. The taste is awful <laughs> athletic greens taste like to me, like would you say a sock like like the- <laughs> i was imagining it like so the texture of like horse poop is how athletic greens taste and it stays in your mouth like yeah. like it, it has tastes that- like it tastes like digested hay yeah and it, it's it's not a good it's not a good feel no. and that's why you know if you stick with something like that it has to have some kind of benefits if you're willing to stick with that's that. that's why i overpower it with the the electrolyte supplements and the lemon <laughs> yeah lemon <laughs> electrolytes lemon. Yep. actually on athletic greens it was maybe an email or the flyer that they sent they gave like suggestions on how to on how to suck it down easier yeah. and one of the things was add citrus to your to your thing or like throw it into a smoothie or something like that but yeah, after that, I usually have most days, I have a water bottle that holds 40 ounces of water. I usually drink at least one of those before having coffee. Oh, wow. That's, Some, a, that's, impre- that's a lot of water. Yeah. Sometimes there's electrolytes in there. Sometimes there's not. It depends on whether I am going to exercise that morning. Hmm. If I am going to exercise, there's generally not electrolytes in it. And then I'll drink that exercise. And then throw electrolytes in it and drink that throughout the day to replenish them slowly. Cause I've already had like a scoop of electrolytes from, yeah. from, um, the, the athletic greens. Right. And then the electrolytes in it as well. Yeah. And then 
after that, after like the exercise component, I usually go take a shower. And then as soon as I come out, I'll drink coffee. Mm -hmm. And I'm a French press human, but I know you're a pour over human. Yeah. So I'm not opposed to French press. Like what about pour over? Like if you're trying to convince me, here we go with the marketing aspect to move over to pour overs. Cause you have a whole pour over setup with like a scale, a special kettle, like everything. So what about pour overs has you invested in it so much? Uh, Cause it's the most pretentious. <laughs> yes, I know. You, Cause you get all the cool tools, <laughs> get all the cool tools. There we go, Bailey. <laughs> but the, uh, I guess the way to sell somebody on it is to tell them why they're, how, how their current drinking style is inferior in my opinion. So we'll go with the French press. So the French press is... Oh, you started hard. I would have started with like one of those like coffee pot coffee. I would have been like, that tub is well, burnt. Ev- <laughs> yeah, so everybody can agree that drip coffee is just Trash. dog shit. <laughs> we, we can understand that scrape in the bottom of the barrel. That's that's, that's the people easy. who are like, I need a caffeine IV. I, need, yeah. I am not here for the flavor of the coffee. I need I need something to help me go to the bathroom and I need something to help wake me up. There you go. And that's it. That's the only reason they drink coffee. But with the French press, so like, I mean, if you really think about it, just like most things in French culture, the French press is pretty barbaric. <gasps> just kidding. <laughs> about the culture, not the French press. French press is pretty barbaric. Well, I think that's why I like it so much <laughs> is how simple it is. You just throw ground up coffee Sorry, you throw dark roast coffee, which if anybody drinks dark roast coffee, they're drinking burnt coffee. I you, throw any coffee in there. Right, but the French press is mm. is a is a dark roasted coffee. You just throw up like barely chopped beans into <laughs> water and you squish it down and press the caffeine and the flavor out of it. So, you know- What you more could, could you want? <laughs> speaking fin- of burnt- fin- Finesse is what you want. Thinking, speaking of burnt beans, I need you, Bailey, but everybody who potentially listens to this, I need them to, next time they're in Starbucks, go and smell the French roast of Starbucks. It smells like fish. I swear. <laughs> it smells like fish. Speaking of French things, like that's it. Like every- Speaking every, of French things, fish. <laughs> that's like the one thing I think of every time I walk into Starbucks, I see like one of the French roast bags. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got to smell that. It smells like fish. And I've had a bunch of people agree with me, so- as we've already established, French roast is a barbaric way of drinking coffee. While a pour over, it requires some patience. It See, my thing about pour overs is that they're so weak. T- like, like to me, I guess maybe it's not, if it's not done properly, mm-hmm. it's weak. But like to me, it's not as strong. Like I guess that that's I love the French press, like strong coffee. I feel like if it's not strong coffee, I'm not drinking it. Like yeah. I drink cold brew rather than nice coffee. Mm-hmm. I drink a, I, from a French press. Yeah, but with. So it, it all depends on how you do the pour over. So you can add a bunch of water to a small amount of beans and it's going to be, you know, like sweet tea. Or you can add less water with a greater amount of beans. And so every drop of water has to seep through a larger amount of beans, pulling more flavor with it. So with the French press, you get a lot of the, the grit left over, the coffee residue. And it creates a more uh, abrasive mouthfeel whenever you consume it. And some people prefer that to all the French press drinkers that may be listening to this. I'm, I'm kind of kidding about it being barbaric. It, is, it does have its place because some people really enjoy like the texture whenever they drink the coffee. Yeah. They, want, they want to feel the coffee. While uh, with a pour over, depending on the filter that you use, you can get a very clean cup of coffee. And I think especially if you use a natural filter and like a, a natural paper an unbleached paper, you get this delightfully bright cup of coffee where the flavors shine through, but not one of them is overbearing so long as you pour it appropriately. And that's the one thing about pour over that is frustrating is it's really hard to replicate that like you mm-hmm. can have a really successful coffee. You just, you got the pour pattern just right and you got the weight just right and you got the temperature of the water just right well you can replicate the weight and the temperature of the water again but doing the pour pattern the exact same way it's tough to do and that can really affect the way that the coffee tastes so that's part of the fun too is is experimenting with it 
because with the French press, you push it down and then, <laughs> yes. and then it's done with the a pour over. You can, you can play with it. You can change the water temperature. You can change the, the coarseness of the beans and you can change like the, you can change the pattern. You can change the, and the, and the, the um, flow rate of the water as well. So you can just dump the water in there and let it drip like a drip coffee, but it still comes out better than drip coffee. Or you can go in a pattern. You can slosh more water in certain areas. Yeah, it's a it's an art. Yeah, and I I like how you explain that because it sounds like it is more artistic. Again, back to the beverages, like mm-hmm. you can have those simple, easy like a beverage could be like food. Like food can just be takeaway fast food, right? right. Or it can be some like a five star right. chef that does something, right? And it's the same thing with coffee. Like you can have your drip coffee that's probably at your office that somebody just threw in a bunch of Folgers beans yeah. and just put it and pressed you know, the button to go yeah. and then it burned it as it dropped and you need your caffeine Just fix to, because to give uh to give fuel to the, to the masses. Exactly. Or you can, you know, make it part of your morning routine where you're like, so where am I going to drink my coffee from today? Because I feel like different regions have different notes and like the elevation of the coffee or whatever, yeah. or do I want more of a berry or a chocolate undertone mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it sounds more like you can experiment more with that. My French press, I don't get that same controllability, but it's also not as difficult. Like if I'm in the morning, right? right? Like it's not the, it's not the burnt taste of the um, pot coffee, but it's still not that controlled. I can really bring out the flavors and stuff, but I just turn on my $15 Walmart kettle, get the water hot, pour in a French press, push down, we're done. Whereas you, you mean you have the temperature of the kettle that's like specific, Mm -hmm. you have the weight. You know, I I mean, I just take a scoop and just scoop in, right? So it really just depends on how much care and attention you want to put in. And I'm sure you don't do that every morning. No, definitely not. Most of the time I just drink cold brew, but whenever I'm, whenever I know I'm going to be at home for a while, or if I have like guests over and I want to show off a little bit, I'll do the pour over. The French press, it it reminds me of like the AeroPress. Mm. There's a lot less thought and attention that has to go into it. But you consistently get a pretty good cup of coffee. That is true. Like you always like it's it's going to be the same every time, and it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Aeropress is super convenient just to travel with too. I used to have one, and I found myself traveling and not bringing it. And then you're like, "Why have it?" Yeah, yeah. And then, so do you do any um, other things? I know that you've started getting into smoothies, but is your coffee actually? Before we move on from coffee, it's black. Mm-hmm. Right? Always, always. I don't ruin coffee. <laughs> you don't have all those hazelnut creamers no, no, no. and I think the more I've talked to people about coffee the less people are actually saying they use all the fancy sugary creamers the only reason stuff. you need fancy sugary creamers is if you drink bad coffee yeah and also why spend that much time and energy to have the flavors of the coffee come out in your pour over right just yeah, to yeah. Add, just to ruin it. here's hazelnut <laughs> Yeah. Here's some peppermint. It's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I've thought about too, is I've looked into bulletproof coffees or just like incorporating like MCTs and I guess it's like coconut oil Yeah. into, into my diet, like how I could do it. And I have some MCT powder that is recommended to use. One of the recommendations, I guess, yeah. was to use as a creamer and coffee. Mm-hmm. I've tried it. It slightly changes the flavor but it just feels weird drinking cloudy coffee. And it also just changes the whole mouthfeel, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think that that's something really interesting is that depending on what the beverage is for, Mm -hmm. changes what you want it. Like for water, I just want that refreshing, crisp flavor to it. Like lemonade, I want to coat my mouth. Like, please (laughs) give me the pulp, right? Yeah. And I I think that it just really depends on what you want. And I think that it's nice that there is that variability in coffee from, you know, the French press that you were talking about that has more that will leave that mouth flavor as a pour over can be nice and lighter. Um, And then I think once you start adding things, it really does change everything. Like whether the milk or cream or whatever you add to it. Right. Yeah. Whatever people want to put in there. I actually saw this guy on YouTube. I don't, I don't remember his name. He's a Japanese guy. And at least from what I've seen from his channel, it may be the entirety of the channel, but he just goes over these different ways of making coffee. Oh, that's fun. I did not realize there were, I mean, I knew there was a lot of ways, but he was like pulling out these, the, the one that I remember in particular, I don't, recall what he called it but it was kind of like it looked like an hourglass 
where there were coffee beans on the top and water on the bottom. And then underneath it, he put a, um, like a little pot of fire. Mm. So it's like that, like what they use for catering, like to keep the dishes it's warm. It's kind of like a mocha pot. Kind of, but it's. But glass. Right. So the mocha pot is, because he, I've used those for a long time, but this like heated the water up to where it, I guess the, rather than like a mocha pot where the water like builds pressure and it pushes through the coffee. Yeah. This seemed like it just, it heated up the water to where it evaporated. And then as it cooled, it dripped through. I don't, I don't remember how it was. It just blew my mind watching it. And then like to get the coffee back to the drinking place, it like flipped the hourglass looking thing over and all the brewed coffee funneled back down into the original container while the coffee grind stayed in the little other part. It was, it was wild. It was nuts looking at it. It, it's insane. I love watching like, cause there's so many different levels to coffee, right? Like to say that, Oh, I like coffee is so different because there's so many different types of brewing methods. Mm-hmm. And then as you just described, but then there's also like, Oh, well, how do you feel about like latte art? Like that's a whole different type of coffee yeah. thing, right? It is related, you know? And right. then there's the atmosphere around coffee. Like here in the United States, we don't really have a cafe going culture mm-hmm. where some other places like we'll go to a cafe and sit, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that it's, there's so much surrounding coffee. And then also like pairing coffee, right? Like you can pair coffee with different pastries or different, yeah, that's whatever. Wild. I haven't, I've, I've appreciated when other people have, suggested pairings for me regardless of the beverage and regardless of the food because it's always fascinating whenever somebody who knows or at least appears to know what they're talking about recommends something to you and you try it and you're like oh yeah that does taste different the food tastes different and the beverage tastes different now one of the I guess the the most impactful moments I've had in terms of beverage and food pairings was in it was in Puerto Rico. I don't remember the town, but it was on like the western side of, of Puerto Rico. And there was this little restaurant there. They changed their menu every day. There was only like a small list of like, I think it was like three courses and there were two to four options for each course. And one of the, the options for the appetizers was a, it was a sweet potato like a grilled sweet potato, Ooh. but it had, it was like um, coated in ground up coffee. Oh. And I don't know. I, th- I think that's what it was. That's what I Where remember. Where was this again? Puerto Rico. Oh. Yeah. And so this is a small little restaurant that just made delicious food. But anyway, the, the people that I, were, I was with, the guy and his, his wife, they were both, they both worked at like fancy hotels and resorts mm. forever they're they're both realtors at this point but they worked in a lot of restaurants like fine dining restaurants that are attached to these resorts and so they were obsessed with wine and they told me that this particular california pinot would pair well with this appetizer i was like yeah okay i'll try that i remember drinking the wine and then waiting a while and then the food came and then eating the food. And then the, the gentleman was like, now try them together. And so I drank the wine and then ate the sweet potato right afterwards. And the amount of like different flavors that came through, I could, cause I still had the taste of the wine in my mouth. And then once the sweet potato with the coffee hit my tongue, it just like this, uh, a blossom of flavor occurred. Like a, a whole new profile emerged from the taste of the wine still on the back of my tongue and then the food on the end of my tongue. It was incredible. Yeah, no, that, that sounds amazing. Like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when people are experts in what they do or love what they do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Right. And that's why I think that again, it seems like it's the beverage section is left out right? Like you'll go to a fancy dinner and like, unless no, no, unless you're at a fancy dinner Mm -hmm. where there's like, the chef is like, "Ah, I picked these wines to go with this course. You're just being told, what would you like to drink? And I think that most people don't even think about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think water is free. Let me go with water, right? Water is free. I'll take that. 
And then if I'm splurging, let's get the $3 refillable soda. Or Mm -hmm. if I'm in a special place that I know has really good lemonade or Mm -hmm. has a really good margarita or like whatever it is, but I have to know that walking in. It's not like, I don't think it's really conscious for me sitting down at a menu. I'm going to think about the beverages I'm having with the meal because people like, at least here in the United States, they like bombard you and they're like, what would you like to drink? And it's like, whoa, wait a second here. Yeah, Immediately you sit down and they say, what do you want? Yeah. My, I, I, I found that my response recently for probably the past two or three years has been, oh, oh a water for now. And then I say that ex- anticipating looking through the beverage menu. <laughs> and then I never do unless it's, unless I know I'm going to be somewhere for an, uh, an, a long, prolonged period of time. Yeah. I mean, it's the atmosphere. It's who you're with, right? Like yeah. I know that there are some people that I could sit down with and I can enjoy that glass of wine. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I was across from you, I could sit and talk to you forever. Right. Yeah. Until the place closed. But yeah. there are some people that are like, okay, we've been here for like 40 minutes, chug Time your drink and let's go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I never understood that too. My, uh, my dad's that way. He like, after being somewhere for I don't know, at, at some arbitrary amount of time. He was like, okay, it's time to leave. Even at like family gatherings and things. He likes he likes being at home, which I, I completely understand. I don't relate to, but I understand it. And so it'll be like, oh, we've been here for an hour. Let's go. And I'm like, yeah, we've been here for an hour. Why are we going? Like we still have three more hours of fun to have. <laughs> There's the community here. What do you mean? Yeah. We haven't gone what do you from mean? work. I just, I just made friends. <laughs> we haven't gone from work drinking to night drinking. Right. Yeah. The work, everybody's work friends are still here. Come on, dad. <laughs> we got to wait for them to leave. And then the real friends show up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so now that he's been brought up, we'll, we'll, we'll continue with my dad. Uh, growing up, he worked for a, I guess initially it was a, I think it was a liquor and wine distributor, or maybe it was just a liquor distributor. And then I don't remember if it was shortly after I was born or may have been before I was born. I don't remember. I don't, I don't recall, but the company that he had worked with forever merged with another company. And then they became a beer, liquor and wine distributor. They soon dropped the liquor and they were a beer and wine distributor. And ultimately they became just like a beer and those like unaffiliated soda distributors. Got it. Yeah. And like other beverages, like they would sell um, like Reed's ginger beer or I love that stuff. Like a beta root beer. Yeah. Um, seven up. So not like the, when I say soda, not the ones you think of initially, yeah. like the Dot Coke, Diet Coke, Pepsi yeah. kind of thing. Like People who root, aren't affiliated A&W with root beer. They, yeah, they had A&W. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> they, but not, they didn't have Barks. Got it. Okay. Um, I think they had A&W. Yeah, because they had A&W root beer and A&W cream soda. They had RC Cola. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there was one I was thinking of. I thought it would be, I thought it was interesting that they sold. Oh, shoot. Oh, Snapple. Oh, Snapple. I, I always, the only time I ever had Snapple as a kid was leaving the BJ's Wholesale Club, (laughs) right? And I got the like kiwi strawberry one and I was obsessed with twisting off the top and then hearing the popping noise. Mm -hmm. And then once it was popped, you could press the top and I just sit there and just click (laughs) the top over and over again. And now I still do that with beverage. Like I'm like, it reminds me, I'm like, oh man, the beverage, because it just shows that it's unsealed. But to me, it's like the popping top. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was interesting growing up with, with my dad working at a distributor that literally dealt in beverages, yeah. like different kinds of beverages. And so the, I, I guess there are some people, not many people that I'm aware of, but some people grow up in families where there's no like alcohol in the house ever. I grew up, my dad literally drove a van that had Miller light plastered to the side of it. So yeah. like beer was, it was, it was always around. My dad enjoys beer his friends enjoy beer. My family enjoys beer. There's always been beer around. And so I've tried to make my own beer. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, I don't remember. I don't remember if he got the beer making kit or if I got the beer making kit, but either way, we, we got a beer making kit and we were bored over the summer. We decided to make beer. This was the same friend that I was traveling in throughout Europe with. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the instructions was after filtering, we're making a homemade IPA. So what could go wrong, right? (laughs) 
IPAs are already pretty, pretty questionable. You, you can have a really bad one. One of the, one of the instructions was to, to let it rest in its bottles for like a week or two weeks or three weeks. I don't remember how long it was, but an extended period of time. So it would carbonate and then form the alcohol and the sediment, the remaining sediment would settle to the bottom. And then you had to like redo it, re like refilter it to get the remaining sediment out. Whatever it was, we had, we had left for a week and we came back to the house and the house was reeked of beer. And we're like, wow, this beer is really pungent. Like it's coming through the bottle. And we had to store it in a dark place. That was one of the instructions. And so we went to go check on it and look inside. And we only had enough to make six bottles and two of the bottles had exploded inside, oh inside the, the cabinet. So it, just, it reeked of beer for the remainder of our time in that house. Unfortunately, once the other four were done, we tried it and it was the worst fucking beer I've ever had. It was, it was terrible. After all that. And then every yeah. time you probably smelled it, you were just probably reminded. Yeah, like, ah, oh, it's fucking beer. Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's so terrible. But like that experimentation process was just probably really good for you to practice doing it or it was a fun yeah, time. I have a, a greater appreciation for local breweries who brew their own beer and massive quantities and it all comes out tasting the same and sometimes delicious and once you see that process like I, i've been on like vineyard tours and like seeing these gigantic containers or i've been like coffee um mm -hmm. plantations and seeing how the coffee like is from this tiny seed or like this tree and how mm -hmm. it has to grow and all the work that it takes to really take off the husk and whatever i feel like it does create a greater appreciation for what you drink that you're like wait a second, do I really want to just throw it into a coffee machine and right. have that burnt coffee, you know, and I could really enjoy those notes. And there is a time and place for, you know, a cheap beer, you know, of course, but there's also a time and place for those local breweries, for those nicer coffees. And I think that really experimenting and taking the time to sit back and think about what beverages you want to do or like trying the different, you know, getting the fancy yeah. kettle and trying the things or getting the beer making kit, kit yeah. with your friend. <laughs> and I'm sure that that was a great thing for you and your friend to do. If there's anything that I've done in my life, I've probably also done it with him. We lived with each other for four years. A lot of nonsense happened in those four years. <laughs> Thinking back on a, on a trip that I took to a vineyard in a very unexpected place. In central Arkansas, there's a there's Arkansas wine country. I can't imagine that Arkansas. Like I can understand yep. like the California wine that we have, like, mm -hmm. but I never knew that there was an Arkansas wine. Arkansas wine country. Yeah, I I can't recall the name of the vineyard, but if you're ever looking on Airbnb, there's a little house that you can rent mm -hmm. on this vineyard. The guy who owns it, his name's Joe. We call him Uncle Joe one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. But I was there with uh, my friend who's making the, the, biodegrade, the bioplastic water bottle. I was there with him and his friends from work, work friends that turned into nighttime friends. Mm. Yeah, they were, they were good people. And a majority of them were Australian. So it was interesting to like be around that. They have a huge wine industry too. I was yeah. shocked by that. But anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so one, one of my favorite experiences from that, from that trip I believe we were only there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. I may be mistaken. We may have been there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but either way. Oh, no, it was um, whatever that holiday in the middle of the summer is where you get a day off on Monday. Memorial Day? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Memorial Day. Because the end of summer would be Labor Day, and then the middle of summer would be 4th of July. Yeah, it, it had to have been Memorial Day. So it was, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But while we were there, uh, the first day we were there, we went down, we went kayaking down one of the rivers and had a lot of fun. So the second day was recovery day because we were all exhausted. And there was this amazing outdoor patio space that had been there since like the, like 1910 mm. that this guy had I mean the roof had been replaced because the wood had rotted but like the brick and stuff that it was surrounded in and that's where the um the old wine cellar was was underneath this patio area and the reason it was there was because during prohibition this guy's grandmother 
was a, a bootlegger. Oh my gosh. So not only are you in like a vineyard area, you're in a historic like yeah. moonshine area. But not moonshine, wine. Oh. Sophisticated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not like the Mother Hill people. <laughs> but they, uh, he was telling us that his family was the second German family to make wine in the United States of America. And that's what most- But of the, in Arkansas. That's where most of the, I think that's where a majority of the German winemakers are, are in Arkansas. Oh. And they had a, um, their wine was delicious. It was, it was super cheap because nobody seeks Arkansas wine, but there's a lot of attention to detail and how they make their wine, at least from what was described yeah. to us from, the, from, from Uncle Joe. But they, they had like little secret nooks and crannies inside the house that we stayed in where their grandmother would hide or great-grandmother, whatever she is, where they would, they would hide wine. And also, every single person in his family, there was, he had several of his old relatives living on property still. And I think the youngest was his mother, who was like 93. Mm -hmm. This woman would still get in her car and drive to the, to the grocery store with her brother and sister in the car with her. And uh, what he told us was whenever we first got there, he goes, yeah, be careful drinking wine. You just might live forever. <laughs> but my, one of my favorite memories was him. He pulled around the tractor with like a trailer in the back of it and took us on essentially a hayride. There was no hay, but we threw like <laughs> lawn chairs in the back of the trailer. And he <laughs> took us on a tour through the vineyard. It was so cool. And you could just see the excitement on his face taking us around this yeah, place too. Well, he was probably really passionate about it. And then having somebody who wants to listen mm -hmm. and wants to learn about that, that's probably really great for him. Yeah. And it was super cool, like going with the Australian people too, because the majority of them grew up in the Sydney area. Mm. So they grew up in the city. Yeah. And we were going through like these little trails because they would have like one, one field of grape trees, whatever those are. Great vines. vines. <laughs> and then- uh... You really learned a lot of the vineyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had plenty of wine. I know, I know how it tastes. <laughs> and then we would go through the trees, like, like there'd be a trail through the woods, and then we'd end up at another field that had grapes in it. And there would be different uh, varieties of grapes in the different areas. They would make different wines. But going through the woods, there'd be like deer and things that would run in front of us. And so the Australians were like, oh, that's so cool. Like, it's so fun to see the different, the critters running around. And he had this cool dog that would run like next to the tractor. And anytime it would see like a, a rabbit or a deer or something, it would like go chase it, but it would only chase it for a little bit. And then it would come back and like, just like run next to the, um, next to the tractor, like while we went around, it was super cool. Do you drink with, like, do you think about your drinks for your other meals, like lunch or dinner? Or is it really just like in the morning, part of your morning routine is your beverages? It's mainly just in the morning. Um, to start your day off right or just because that fits with your schedule or just because that's what you like? Yeah, yes, all of them. <laughs> I like I like the morning drinks. Lunch, if I have lunch, it, I usually just have water with it or my lunch is a beverage, it's a smoothie. Mm. And that changes. I just yeah. have like assorted fruit that I throw into a blender and put some protein powder in it and say, yeah, that's good. Woo! <laughs> lunch <laughs> yeah dinner I like much more and that I do consider on the on a daily basis I don't really consider what I'm drinking with it it's just water mm -hmm. um occasionally if I'm feeling sophisticated and I'm like making a, a nice meal for myself I'll finish the meal with an old-fashioned is that your go-to drink to order out it depends if I'm paying for it isn't that the answer to everything? <laughs> yeah. But if you're going out to eat here in Gainesville, mm -hmm. would you choose a local brewery option or like an old fashioned? Again, if you're not paying for it, let's just say you're it, not. Depends, it depends where I am. Some of the bars in Gainesville have an excellent selection of local craft breweries. And there I would probably get a beer, but some places are known for their cocktails and they have an excellent whiskey selection. And so, so there I would choose the old fashioned. What are some of those places that 
and not that many people go and visit Gainesville. So is there like some breweries that you like and some cocktail bars that you like? So the breweries, if you want to go to the breweries themselves, there's Swamphead. They've been in Gainesville forever. They make great beer. They have an IPA that's actually good. Um, and, then and we now know that you are very intimate with IPAs. Right. Yep. And then there's also uh, First Mag. Those are the two big ones in Gainesville. Either is a good choice. You can go to the actual brewery or most most bars sell at least one of each of their beers in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. They're actually one of my favorite beers to buy if I'm going somewhere else and I can bring like a local beer to like friends say back back home in Pensacola. There's a, there's a couple of liquor stores that have, I don't know if they have first, first magnitudes beer in there, but I know they have swamp heads. And public sells them too as well. Well, also, you're also a big fan of consumables and gifting consumables and yeah. things that people can use instead of just, here's another tacky thing in your house. Right. So I think that that's actually a really cool option is, hey, this is a local brewery that I like mm-hmm. where I'm from, where, where I'm spending my time. It's not where you're from, but where I am going to school, right. let me bring this back to my family as like a, hey, I got this for you. I've been here for almost a decade. Here's what I drink. <laughs> I know what to drink now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a, a place where I enjoy going, I don't think it's called this anymore, but there was a bar called Tall Paul's. It may still be in Gainesville. Um, I haven't been frequenting the bars as much as I did in my undergrad years. But well, that's COVID and studying and yeah, law school, you know. Yeah. Kind of, kind of very different atmosphere yeah. than undergrad. <laughs> but my favorite, my favorite place to go in Gainesville for food and for drinks is the top. It's, it was the very first restaurant I ever ate at in Gainesville. Oh. And it will be the last restaurant I eat at in Gainesville. That's so sweet. I love that. <laughs> yeah. If I, every time that I come to Gainesville, if I'm going to have food, my last meal will be at the top. So long as they're open. I think when I toured the law school, my mom and I went to the Cheesecake Factory because it was right there on <laughs> yeah, Archer. Yeah. So it's not as cool to be like, my first meal in Gainesville. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Hey, Janice, are you ready for a drinking game? Larry, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. We're going to play a game. All right. Every episode, I'm playing a game, and I'm centering it around the guest. So for you, you and I both share the same undergraduate degree. We have an international relations degree, so I decided to ask some international questions. Oh, boy. Do you think that they're going to be some subjective questions, or do you think that I'm going to ask you trivia? Well, anything in international relations is subjective. Oh boy. We don't, this is not a politics <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit of trivia, but most likely subjective. Well, no, it's trivia. Oh boy. <laughs> so, and I, I, these are pretty hard. Like, I was shocked by half of them. I don't expect you to get all of them, but I, maybe you do get it, right? That'd be really cool <laughs> if you did. But then there's also the chance that, we talk it out and we really get to some kind of cool conversation about it. Like what's the meaning of life? Yeah. Uh, 42. You know, I actually don't ask that question. 42. It's a really good, but I, that was one of my costumes in undergrad. <laughs> I, I had no idea what I wanted to be, but I had a bathrobe and a towel and like I could take like, the ring. And so I showed up to this, my apartment complex in college had a yeah. at a Halloween party and I showed up in my Crocs and my bathrobe <laughs> and everybody looked at me like what's good and a towel around my neck and they're like well, who is she and I like rocked the dance floor two like years I'm a hitchhiker. Row. yeah exactly so yes just so the attack- my guide to the galaxy <laughs> watch out the Backstreet Boys dance and <laughs> so every year on Halloween I have to do a Backstreet Boys dance it's a tradition now <laughs> okay question number one what country is the largest producer of coffee? Indonesia. No, that actually is a really good guess. I was shocked with this one. Brazil is the world's largest coffee producer. In sense. 2017 to 2018, the country produced more than 51 million bags of beans. The world's second largest producer is Vietnam. So really? The, so the Indonesia thing, I think definitely makes sense. Well, a lot of the people that I follow on uh, Instagram, as far as like coffee, mm-hmm. is like the Vietnam, Thailand region. I guess that like Vietnamese coffee. Oh my gosh, Vietnamese coffee is delicious. Yeah. Um, but thinking about it, you you have to have the right climate for coffee, which is tropical, most likely subtropical, or which is subtropical to tropical, closer to the tropical side, and mountains. Yeah. If you don't have that, you don't have coffee. 
It's crazy how unique of a temperature climate that you need. And actually one thing that I learned when I did tour a coffee place was that the altitude actually does, you can grow coffee, but it affects how it tastes mm -hmm. is where like the altitude like and the elevation and stuff. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. The next question, okay. what country drinks the most coffee? This one absolutely shocked me. Oh, okay. It's a shocking answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Japan. No, Finland. BBC said when it comes Finland. to coffee consumption. Is this, is this like per person or oh, overall yeah. consumption? Yeah, it's per person. Okay. So only two nations top more than 10 kilograms per person per year. Wow. Finland and Sweden. That makes sense fucking cold up there <laughs> that's true they're like we need something to get us out of bed we're tired of tea let's drink coffee speaking of tea we didn't i didn't ask you this are you a tea fan or just coffee uh i like tea um i mean i'm from southern united states well but that's like sweet tea but like a hot cup tea i don't i so if if somebody has a tea preference and they make tea i always enjoy it but i'm never sure what to get i know earl gray and oolong and all that stuff but it's I mean, it's all right, but whenever I have somebody who's like, oh no, this is, I don't even know the names of tea, so I can't like rattle them off in parody, but uh, my friend Will, the one that introduced me to, or really pushed kombucha, he was saying he, he drinks a lot of tea, and so whenever he makes me tea, it's always delicious, Yeah. but he also makes it over like a fire in the middle of the woods from a little ceramic pot. It pours in these little tiny glasses. I think that's also more about the experience at that <laughs> point, being in the woods with right. tiny ceramic glasses. What, what's even more fun is whenever we're not in the woods and he has the same like woodland ceramics in a like a normal kitchen. <laughs> and you're like, you know, we don't need to do that now. <laughs> we have a stove, you know. <laughs> they do have these modern conveniences. <laughs> have to build a fire to make tea. <laughs> uh, this is the last like, coffee question okay what country pays the most per pound of coffee uh so like a, a purchaser of coffee yeah like a purchaser of coffee like who pays the most per pound of coffee mm. like, is this is this to import or to just for the consumable for level? the consumer the coffee drinker Ooh, we're gonna go with golly uh, england Actually, yes. Yeah. yeah. UK drinkers pay over $16 a pound, followed by Malta at $13.33 a pound. What's and wrong with them? The least expensive is actually Polish coffee drinkers paying $3.17 a pound. That's probably why we never heard of Polish coffee. Yeah, exactly. They're probably one of the people that are like, put it in the coffee pot. <laughs> just like, give it to me. <laughs> or maybe they're just tea fans. And so they just don't really buy coffee. So next question, what is the birthplace of gin? I feel like it's the country that drinks a lot of it, but I, it also could be from one of their colonies. Uh, we're going to go with Ireland. That's, that's actually a really good guess. And a lot of people think that because a lot of it's like London dry gin or yeah. whatever, like it's a very popular, they, a lot of people think the UK, however, there's some kind of attenuated history. That's like, if you don't count the Italian monks who just use juniper berries and like flavorings mm -hmm. in their distilled spirits, Holland is actually credited as the birthplace of gin. Oh, gin yeah. Gin gets its name from the Dutch word for juniper. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I was I was kind of shocked. Like I wasn't expecting. Look at the Dutch making, yeah. making good cheese, making good beer, making good gin. Actually, there's this one kind of tea. It's like orange pecone. Like of it's course, tea. it's orange. It's Dutch. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what it is. It has nothing to do with orange flavorings. Yeah. It's about the house of orange. It's actually a way to grade black tea. Yeah. Shout out to Willem. I don't know if he's actually doing good things, but whatever. What is Willem? Willem, the king. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What country invented bubble tea? Oh, gross. <laughs> A despicable country, that's who. Um, let's see, we're going to go with, well, it uses tapioca. We're going to go with Japan. Uh, Taiwan. Taiwan. Bubble tea in Taiwan began in 1980s. Okay. It was originally made with black tea, tapioca pearls, condensed milk, and honey. Gross. Yeah, that's a weird combination. I just like the black tea. 
regular milk. If you put and then tap- if you put tapioca pearls in any beverage, you're doing it wrong. <gasps> no, the I like them. I think it just That's adds why a different you probably element. Like French press coffee too. <laughs> I think it just you like adds- stupid shit in your drinks. <laughs> It just adds a different element, but that's for another yeah, it adds day. food to your drink. <laughs> it's like one of those things that I thought was weird at first. Like I'm drinking and I'm chewing. I think it's kind it of It is weird. weird. <laughs> I felt like I was like. I, Deplorable, if you will. I feel like I could get the same from like chewing gummy bears while drinking a thing of like tea. You make some vodka gummy bears and then you get somewhere. <laughs> no, I like it. I do. Uh, in what country is butter tea a common drink? Butter tea. Butter tea. And there's a very specific reason why I'm asking this question, but. <laughs> uh, Hungary. Oh, that's, that's a really good guess. I was thinking like it had to be like one of those keto countries. Like when I saw this, like I was thinking of somebody like, oh, they decided to change keto coffee into like a tea kind of form. So I was like thinking it was like the English take on butter on like the bulletproof coffee. But no, it's actually in Tibet, butter tea is a common drink. It is made from black tea, yak butter, and salt. Interesting. Next question. Tea was not just a drink in ancient China. It was also a blank. Medicine. That's actually how I thought uh, you would answer it, but it's actually a form of currency. Uh, Tea leaves were pressed. Tulips. What? Tulips. What about tulips? the tulip trade, the Dutch tulip trade was the very first. So the, the the demand for tulips created the first bubble, economic bubble that burst in history oh. from the uh, Dutch East Indian Company, I yeah. think. Uh, they would sell pretty much like bonds for tulips. Like you would, at, at this point, a tulip was worth more than diamonds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So people worth more than diamonds, worth more than gold. So the, the, rather than having the gold standard, we were running, the world was running on the tulip standard. I love that. More respect for the tulips. <laughs> yeah. And then the tulips die and they're like, oh, well, sorry. You just took all your money. <laughs> exactly. We're just like, wait. <laughs> no tulips for you. <laughs> it's way different than like the gold standards. Like here's, a, here's gold. Here's gold. It's not going to die. <laughs> That's probably why they changed. They were like, hey, I have this idea. Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. We're going to use precious metals. <laughs> Instead of things Flowers. that die. <laughs> Uh, no, but I was actually like, I was like laughing because they said that tea leaves were pressed into like a brick and they'd score them so that they could be like split up, like change. Mm. And I was just thinking, imagining being a drug dealer and then somebody coming up to be like, boss, I got the bricks. <laughs> and then like they open up the car and it's like a tea. bunch of tea. <laughs> I don't know why. That's... Like, oh yeah. Nice haul, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. When I saw this question, that's like, was my first thought. And that's why I had to bricks ask for bricks. <laughs> exactly like this is what we have today folks final question what country or in what country was the tea bag invented i feel like it's probably america yes tea bags were invented in 1908 in the united states by thomas sullivan he created small silk bags to give samples of tea to his customers Some of them thought the bags were supposed to be put directly in the teapot, like a metal (laughs) infuser, rather than emptied out. Thus, the teabag was created by accident. Yeah, I think I've heard this story from somewhere. That's why I knew that. Don't remember where. Yeah, I I just found that like really kind of interesting. I love when things are invented by accident, Mm -hmm. like chocolate chip cookies. Like, I love the idea that it (laughs) was just like cookies for an accident. Yeah, somebody didn't want to melt the chocolate to make like a chocolate cookie. (laughs) So they just threw the chocolate in there and was like, it will be okay. And then that's the most human thing ever. It's like, "Ah, I can't really be bothered to melt the chocolate. Yeah, exactly. And I I think that's awesome, though, at the same time. Let me just chop it up and throw it in this dough. Yeah, and we got chocolate chip cookies from that. Okay, Bailey, we've reached the ultimate question. What is the most delicious beverage? It could be one that you've had one time in your life, which we've kind of already talked about. (laughs) Exactly. Or it could be something like, oh, I get this kind of frequently and that's an ultimate beverage for me. One of my favorite beverages, always a treat. This being the ultimate, for me at least, because I can get it, I guess whenever I want, if I go out of my way to get it and they sell it in multiple places, but a Thai tea, Mm. I don't know really what a Thai tea is. Neither do I. But it's delicious. 
Mm. And it's orange. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thai tea. Thai tea. Also, I love Thai food. So that's one place where I know what I'm going to order whenever I get there. That's not water. You always get the Thai tea with, what do you get to eat? Well, that depends. It's always curry. Okay. Because the noodles, you can get Thai noodles at other places. If you're going to get noodles, in my opinion, obviously people order pad thai. It's the most popular. Yeah, that's what I do. (laughs) That's what I was ready for. But I would recommend uh, for people who haven't tried any other dishes, tried the pad wusin and the pad seiyu, both noodle dishes, both excellent. Are they spicy or no? You can get them spicy. One of them, I think it's the the pad seiyu is it's called i think the other name for it is drunken noodles i think that's the correct one but it it is traditionally spicier okay but i always order a curry uh my favorite i don't don't know if i can name a favorite i usually go for the green curry just because i prefer the vegetables that comes with it but like a good masaman curry or a good penang curry they're really hard to beat too yeah so that's it. That's the ultimate beverage, a Thai tea, and hopefully with a really good curry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming, Bailey. And I really enjoyed me. this conversation. I've learned a lot more about <laughs> you and I've had some pretty good laughs. So thank you. Yeah, not a problem. I'll be back anytime. Good. Thank you for listening to Bailey's part two. I've had a great time sitting down with him, laughed during the game, learned a lot about him, I really, I genuinely had no idea that he was going to choose Thai tea. I've never heard him talk about it. I've never heard him even mention it, not even just talk about it, just side note mention it at all. So that was really quite interesting. I'm glad that we talked about pour overs versus the French press because I always just thought of French press as really easy and consistent. And then pour overs were kind of a hassle and a watered down coffee, but it's really nice to learn from somebody who has an appreciation for the pour over. So I was starting to get, this week has been a rough week for me. I got into a car accident. No one was injured, so we're good. But I, between that, and then I have something called the MPRE, which is like a professionalism exam you need to take in law school and all the things that I need for my classes and pro bono and graduation requirements and everything that I have to do. I was just getting really overwhelmed. And I just felt like I call myself the fire department. I just go around and put out the little fires in a row. I don't really have time to really think about things or I call it fireproofing or get myself prepared. I feel like I'm just living in survival mode. And I was really thinking about this podcast and I was like, it's just another thing on my to-do list of why am I doing this? But after editing this part two, I realized just how much I love it. I, I, I love sitting down with my friends. I love having those memories that are now forever saved and I can laugh. And when I'm in a mindset, like I have been with how my quote unquote survival mode and how busy I am and just going from one thing to another thing, I couldn't have sat down and have this conversation with Bailey. My conversations with Bailey have been very like, I need advice on this, or what do you think about this? Or they've been not fun oriented. So I'm so glad that I was able to listen to this podcast And it really did help me just relax a little and be like, this is what life is about. It's about enjoying conversations with things that I love. And I've really grown to love beverages. So I hope this podcast means something to you too. And I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from my friends that they've enjoyed it, but it's also something that I really enjoy doing. So tune in every Thursday. Cheers. (laughs) 